Welcome to episode 14 of the Professional Balance bonus content series of the Saturday Morning Hustle. On this podcast, we'll be discussing giving your boss or client what they want versus guiding them to what their best result is or what they need. There's a lot to balance here. Leadership, expertise, ego, chain of command, and professional ethics. Are you better served by doing what the boss wants? They're in that position for a reason or staying strictly dedicated to best practices and highest potential for positive ROI? Do you just follow orders and get along and not rock the boat with a fear of potential failures that probably fall back on you? Or do you change the approach through conversation, education, and even manipulation? How do you pick your battles when good enough is actually good enough? There are several checks and balances to be put in place to make sure you can do just that. This long-form audio-only podcast is posted once a month as an opportunity to dive deep into the issues that challenge all entrepreneurs, business owners, career builders, and decision makers. How do you balance what seems to be contradictory viewpoints in business and personal life? More than just work-life balance, we examine a variety of this and that scenarios. Let's get started. Let's start this conversation with want versus need based on decisions, details, and results. The first question to ask is, what is driving the decision-making process? Is it want or need? And of course, you have two options here, want or need. Starting with want, we're talking about ego, authority, ease, comfort, familiarity in the decision-making process. Right off the bat, every boss, every client, every person who is ultimately responsible for guiding a team, leadership role, etc., is going to have a need to have an ego. Ego is a good thing to a point. Obviously, there are plenty of situations where too much ego or the wrong ego with the wrong focus is a problem. But you are going to run into someone, whether it's your boss, your client, whoever is in the leadership role, they definitely are going to have a healthy ego of their own. So now you have to understand it. Do you appease this person's ego? Do you try to change their mind through enlightenment? Do you trick them into thinking that what it is you want is actually what it is they want? Or do you just straight up combat, argue, and conflict in order to get what you want out of the person who has too much ego to be appeased in any other way? So, Beginning right off the bat with appeasement. Sometimes you have to let people get wins. You have to let someone who definitely is driven by their ego get wins when and where you can, specifically in ways that don't affect the bottom line. If it doesn't affect the overall process, if it doesn't actually change the outcome of the situation, allowing the boss or the client with the large ego to feel like they are in charge, that their decision-making is running the process, you can appease that ego and not change the outcome, which is a win-win. Now, oftentimes, though, if you cannot appease the ego, you need to enlighten or educate or bring more to the conversation with that individual so that they can come to the conclusion you want them to come to without 
any other outside factor outside of simply showing them what your idea is, presenting the opportunities, the, the potential, the possibilities that you're trying to present, and then letting them get there themselves so you can enlighten them to your side of the argument. Now, sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you have to do this in such a way so that even though you have been enlightening and you have been appeasing, that ultimately that leader who is ego-driven believes your idea was their idea. You could say that you're tricking them into that side of the equation, but if you get them where you need to be with less conflict and the higher probability that they accept it and continue on after the suggestion is made, then sometimes tricking someone into believing it's their idea is a very good route. And if you have to, sometimes you just have to create conflict with people. Sometimes it is as simple as a disagreement. Sometimes it becomes a screaming match. Sometimes it becomes even worse than that. We don't want to talk about that because those are bad examples. But sometimes you have to fight for what it is that you're trying to get from your client, from the boss, in order to get over, around, or through their ego issues. Now, the second thing that a leader will do, something that you're client is going to do is they are the authority. They're the owner, the CEO. They're the top person. They are used to being in charge, making final decisions and having those things reflected as final. In order to collaborate with someone who sees himself as the authority, you have to appeal to a few different logic centers for them. Number one, the bottom line. What is best for the business? What is best for yourselves? What's best for income? What's best for profitability? The bottom line can be appealed to when your client is in a position of authority. Best practices are very logical approaches to business. And if they've been proven time and time again to be successful, thus being accepted as best practices, if you say that term enough, best practices and convince your client that it is a best practice, then going along with your recommendation becomes a lot easier. And appealing to their practicality, running the numbers, showing the actual results in a real world scenario can really reach a practical, pragmatic leader in their authority position. So their ego or authority is often what they base their decision-making on. But sometimes decision-making and leadership is actually a case of what is easy. What is the easy thing to do? Everyone else around them applies the don't rock the boat mentality. But you're probably not hired and you're probably not paid and you definitely aren't going to be bringing value to the team, to the client, to the situation if you don't, in fact, rock the boat. So sometimes you do have to make things uncomfortable. You have to break the ease of business in order to improve it. Much like working out your muscles, you have to break them down so that you can build them back up. Sometimes you have to change something that is too easy in order to make it better. And you might say to yourself, if business is good and business is easy, why would you want to change that? And often I found in my experience, it's because the easy and good business is typically only 
meeting a minimum of the potential. 10%, 20%, maybe 50% of the potential is being reached because everyone is taking the easy route. And because it is being somewhat successful, no one wants to break what's working. Not broke, don't fix it. But there are times, there are opportunities, there are situations where the easy route that seems to be working is actually leaving much more money on the table than you're pulling off and putting in your pocket. There's huge amount of profitability or cash flow or other potential positive benefits by making a change, by breaking the easy route and doing something more with the business that's doing okay, could be good, could be great, could be amazing if you make changes in certain ways. So taking the easy route is often not a great way to do things. But you obviously don't want to kill a current business that is doing well. You don't want to alienate your current audience. You don't want to change things radically if you don't have to. You want to keep these things going, especially if they're profitable and predictable. If the business is profitable and predictable, it makes it highly valuable, but it also makes it very safe. And it goes back to the argument of, are you doing enough? Are you meeting your potential? Every new, every business needs new business. You need new customers. You need new sales. You will, even if you have a high retention rate, if you're highly profitable and highly predictable in your sales process, in your sales cycles, if you can depend on your clients, customers, et cetera, you still need to replace them for a variety of reasons, sometimes out of your control, sometimes within your control. Sometimes you get outpriced. Sometimes someone else offers better service or a better option. Sometimes your best customer dies or changes jobs or loses their authority or changes focus or some other thing that takes them out of your sales cycle. So you always need to be adding new business. So even if a business is easy, if it is good, if it is profitable and it is predictable, you still have to be finding ways to present new business, new opportunities to new customers and new clients all the time. You can't get comfortable. Avoid comfort. Even when business is easy, you don't want to be comfortable. You know what they say about your comfort zone. Nothing great happens in a comfort zone. You want to avoid that at all times in order to give the client what they need, not what they want. What they want is to stay in their comfort zone. What they want is easy business. What they want is to be profitable and predictable without much effort. But that takes them out of the process of attracting new business or trying to achieve higher potential. So you can't let people be comfortable. You can't let them take it easy. And you absolutely positively can't let the client rely on this is one of these quotes that is, should always be a red flag for you in any one of these conversations about what the client wants and what the client needs. This is one of your greatest indicators that more conversation, more research, more information is needed when they say to you, that's how we've always done it. Sometimes they're right that how we've always done it is the way to move forward. Oftentimes they're wrong. In either situation, you won't know until you investigate it and the investigation of itself, the vetting of the process of the, is this the right way to do it? Because we've always done it. If I don't care what the outcome is, I want to know it's been examined. I want to know that it's been vetted and that that process is actually the best way to do something. So never let your clients sit back on, that's how we've always done it. That is comfortable. That is easy. 
And that is definitely the opposite of creating new business or capturing more potential. So don't allow that to happen at all. Make sure that you utilize the lack of a comfort zone or eliminating the comfort zone in order to get your client to where they need to be, not where they want to be. Where they want to be is comfortable and easy. Now, when talking about their needs, how do you get your client to focus on what they need versus what they want? You need to focus on business growth. All businesses need to grow continually. If your business is not growing, it is at least stagnant, if not retracting or moving in the wrong direction. And growth can come in a variety of ways. It can come in higher sales, higher income, higher profit margin, higher market share, more units pass through, top line, bottom line. All of these things can apply to what could be considered business growth, but business must grow. When you need your focused, your client to focus on what they need versus what they want, the number one need is business growth. Without it, they're in trouble. Without it, they're moving in the wrong direction. This requires changing the elements of the business. Everything within a business should be adjustable because that's the process of running a business is making the adjustments in order to maximize the potential today and tomorrow and so on. Often, people who don't focus on what they need are afraid of making those changes. It goes back to wanting to be easy and comfortable, not rock the boat, sticking with their current business, and leaving all that potential on the table. But when you're focused on what your needs are, the need is to continually make the changes necessary. Your market changes, your audience changes, technology changes, communication changes, laws change. Everything changes on a regular basis. Sometimes it's very temporary. What's happening in the world in Europe right now with Russia invading Ukraine is a temporary situation, hopefully. Fingers crossed is a temporary situation that is affecting everyone who's in business and politics and their economies all over the world. Hopefully it will come to resolution and that those factors will go away and we'll go back to a pre-Russian invasion scenario. COVID is temporary in that it's been two years, which seems like a very long time. It doesn't feel very temporary, but it didn't apply previously. We hope to, and we're working and striving to get to a place where it doesn't affect our businesses the same way that it does for the last two years. It'll always be a factor in our life somehow, but hopefully not as much of a factor in the future. Technology changes, though, are often permanent. Changes in the market can be temporary, can be permanent, and often they are temporary until they become permanent and you just never know. So change is necessary. Adaptation, adaptation, sometimes pivots, depending on outside factors, determining inside factors, your competition, etc., these things happen, and if you're focused on the needs of a business, you will be focused on how you can change, update, and add, subtract, etc., the elements of the business. Now, often, when a client needs your input, when the client needs you to provide services, insights, other valuable information to them in order for their business to do better, whether they are struggling and need to do well or doing well and need to be great, capturing those lost potentials, etc. It often comes from a lack of confidence. 
Sometimes from the leader itself, from the, the owner, the CEO, the C-suite may have a lack in confidence in their ability to do what's necessary in order to move the business in the right direction. Sometimes it's a lack of confidence from the leadership team, from the ownership to, to and involving the people who do the things, the employees, the team members themselves. So it could be the people at the top who don't feel that they're the right people to do so. It could be the people in the middle who maybe don't bring enough skills or expertise or experience to the leadership team in order for them to collaboratively work together in order to actually reach the needs. So sometimes this lack of confidence is why you're brought in. Your confidence in your ability to make the changes necessary and get the business on a growth pattern is how you can have your client focused on their needs, not their wants. Now, again, when you're focusing them in the right ways, you want to make sure that you're paying attention to important elements or the minor details. I discussed earlier when it comes to wants of your client because of its ego, authority, ease, or comfort. Sometimes the small details can slide. You can let them have those small victories. You can let them be right, quote, in quote, air quotes, right about certain things because they are minor details. And ultimately, the big decisions will work around those minor details and they will not be a distraction or a, t- a takeaway from the place where the business needs to be. But the end product, the important elements, the big decisions are what should be guiding this, this process. And those must be focused on needs and not wants. Wants, the ego, the leadership position cannot sabotage the smart decision-making of this process. So when it comes to how do you balance giving your client what they want and giving them what they need, you can give them control of small things. You can give them small wins. You can let them control and manage the details, often the execution to a point. But the big decisions, the positions, the goals, the how to actually achieve something, what the business stands for and how they will go about things in a big picture process has to come from need, from want, not need. And that's where you have to be willing to either enlighten them, convince them it was their idea, or combat them if they won't go in the right direction based on your expertise. The end product is more important than the process itself to a point. This goes back to minor details versus the major decision-making process. If the end product can be achieved the way it needs to be achieved based on market factors, based on the audience, based on all of the things that are external, you can allow your customer, you can allow your boss to make the decisions based on their wants and not necessarily their needs. Processes themselves can be adaptive. You can allow decision-making at the top based on ego, based on authority, based on any of those elements, and still achieve the success necessary if the end product is what the audience needs it to be. The end product, the product or service, what you deliver to the consumer has to be driven by the consumer, by the audience, by the market. It can't be driven by the ego or the need for authority from the CEO or the owner. If you can achieve that, if you can achieve the product reaching the market the way the market wishes for it, the way the market wants to engage in it, then you can allow the CEO to make decision-making any way they wish. 
So you can give something what they give, give the CEO, give the client what they want while still achieving what you need in order to be successful in your role as the advisor, as the consultant, as the person bringing something else to the organization. Now, often people will say the client is always right. And of course, I don't believe that to be true. More likely, the client is always right should be balanced with, is this the right client for you? And this is a great conversation for everyone to have with themselves, with their team, with their immediate leadership group when it comes to dealing with clients. Some clients need to always feel like they are right or being listened to or being in charge. It goes back to want versus need. If that is true, this may not be the right client for you because the client-consultant relationship should be collaborative. It should not be purely executional on your end. It should be you bringing your expertise, your insights, and expanding, adding to, growing what's already there in the client's organization. Now, remember this when having discussions with your clients about whether they're always right or not. No one in the world, no one at all, not the smartest people, not the most accomplished people, no one knows everything. That's right. No one knows everything. And no one can do everything. There are not people in the world who are capable of achieving everything in the world. In fact, people specialize in what they know and what they can do, what they have experience and expertise in, and what they have the ability to execute upon. Real leaders delegate. They build systems and they build teams. That's the client you want to work with. You want to work with someone who is willing to be collaborative with you, that you bring additional information, expertise, background, skill sets to the table, to the organization for them, and they can collaborate with you because they're willing to delegate, incorporate within a system, and make you a member of their team. This is the fit. This is how you fit within the organization, within the overall scope of what's happening. If it's a project, if it's a relationship, if it's a continual process, you as the consultant, as the third party, as the group coming in to achieve, to provide more, to shore up their expertise, etc., your process, your plans, the way you do things have to fit within what the client is looking for. It's not about the client being right. It's about the client being collaborative for you in order for that to be the right client for you. The reason that this is essential is without the right fit, without the right philosophies, the right attitudes, if you're not in a collaborative relationship, you won't be able to effectively communicate as you need to. Also won't be able to trust each other. You will not be able to trust them to actually implement what you provide for them the way you provide it. And they will not be trusting you that you are not trying to manipulate them, provide them something in the way you need it to be as opposed to the way they need it to be, etc. So this fit is essential for the relationship as you build a business. If you can't find this collaborative fit, then you need to find a different situation, a different client, a different boss, a different scenario. The ultimate success comes from both the big picture and your short-term activity. Again, balancing these things. 
what you bring to the table versus what's already there, how you achieve what you are today versus how you move forward, what you're already doing well versus the potential to do more, big picture balanced by short term. What are you trying to do? What are you trying to achieve? What direction are you trying to get to? Where are you trying to go versus how do we do it on the small scale, on the day-to-day basis? What building blocks need to be necessary for A to B to C before you could talk about the X, Y, and Z. But this is why the client hired you. This is why the boss offered you the job. They know what they want. You have to figure out how you execute it for them. You need to ask, you need to communicate, you need to have open conversations to figure out why they've hired you and what it is they want from you. If you've been hired for execution only, if you have, are put in a tactical position, you can understand that, you can be great at that, you can execute at a high level if you understand it and know it and That's how you wish to operate. That's how you operate as the expertise you bring to the table. But there's sometimes something you need to balance versus just pure execution is what you do and what you know that is different than other people in the organization, specifically the leadership team, specifically your boss or the client. What is it you know that is different than what they know? What do you bring to the conversation, to the collaboration that is different than what they already have? Sometimes execution needs to be done by others for different reasons. Sometimes because it's more efficient. They're more adapt and adept at the execution where you may be differently focused. That creates efficiency when the right person is doing the right job. That efficiency can also be paid for on an hourly or project basis. So sometimes it's more economically viable to let the entry-level employees do entry-level execution, mid-management Different, doing different things and upper and, and C-suite management doing completely different things as well because they bring different factors, but they also receive compensation in different ways. It is economically viable and more efficient to have certain people doing certain things that they are built to do. This is the best use of the talents that of all the people involved. If you want to be successful, if you want to build something great, if you want to do something better than anyone's ever done it. You definitely want to utilize all your team members, both internally and externally, first party, second party, third party, et cetera, in the best way possible by the best use of everyone's talents. And when you do that, when you let people do what they want to do the way they want to do it, because that's how they are built, that's how they're trained, that's what their aptitude is, you get better attitudes from everyone involved. It's a better morale better corporate culture, better team building. When you put people in the right place and then get out of their way, let them do what they do, whether it's pure execution, whether it's a mix of of management and execution, it's upper management, it's big picture or small picture, whatever it is, allow people to do what it is they do and then contribute as a team member in order to be effective, efficient, and have the bright attitude, which will make them productive. If you want more, but you don't know how to ask for more authority, for more responsibility, etc. Ask questions. If you don't have the necessary levitas, if you will, the the authority to do something on your own, 
ask questions of the people above you. Ask questions of people who can give you that authority. At the same time, offer suggestions. If you don't want to necessarily just do something because you're not sure how it's going to be received, offer the suggestion. But at the same time, if you're going to be part of this equation of the client and consumer, the the consultant and the client, the boss and the employee, you need to be pushing the boundaries for yourself, for them, for the business. I said earlier, you had to grow the business at all times. The only way you do that is to push boundaries. It doesn't have to be radical. It doesn't have to be combative. It does not have to be conflict, but it can be asking questions. It can be making suggestions and then not sitting back and waiting, but trying to implement what you can, when you can, especially in the small ways that don't affect the big picture. Bring more to the table. Don't sit back and wait bring more, be more in your position, then you have the opportunity to grow your position, which then will grow the relationship, which will then help the business grow itself. You can outgrow these relationships. And when that happens, you shouldn't feel bad about it. If you've outgrown a relationship, if you have more expertise, more experience, you bring more to the table, then it can be recognized by the client or by a boss. It may be time to move on. Something that fit before, that worked previously, that was beneficial relationship in the past, may be outgrown. It may be moved past in the future. It won't always stay that way. So always be cognizant of that. Now, sometimes the boss is actually unknowing of how to move forward. Talked earlier about the confidence or lack of confidence from the leadership of the C-suite or the ownership. That happens. Sometimes they simply just don't know how to capitalize on that lost potential how to move forward in a better way, how to adapt, adopt, even pivot when times are tumultuous, like with COVID-19. These are things that require outside expertise, third-party influence, what you bring to the table. It requires people to step up internally, whichever situation is you. It's less about what they want. It's more about what they need. If they don't know what they need, you can be that person, but you have to step up. You have to ask the questions, make the suggestions, push those boundaries, bring more to the table, and be understanding that you could outgrow that relationship. If that boss, if that client won't let you actually achieve what you're trying to achieve, if they continue to meet to move the goalpost, this doesn't allow you to be accountable, which then means you cannot win or lose. It may sound great to think you can't lose, but not being able to win or lose because of continually changing accountability, because of continually changing outcomes, because continually changing goals, moving the goalpost, if you will, also means you can't win. It means you can't be seen as successful. It means you can't build upon that success to do something else. It means you can't grow in your position and you can't grow the company. If the company's not growing, it's moving in the wrong direction. So don't allow leadership. Don't allow the client to continually move the goalpost. Ultimately, you need to help people make decisions that are best. But are we talking about best for them, best for you, or best for everyone? It's best for them. They want control. They want the work to be complete with no or little conflict. And they want to be the boss. They want to continue being the boss. That is fine as long as it's not holding back the company or keeping the company from growth. Now you, it may be something as simple as a paycheck or opportunity, opportunities to lead or produce or build trust and show your capability. If 
your focus is simply on that, you're simply being making creating potential for you, not creating potential for everyone. There is a way to for everyone to be successful, to create successful outcomes for everyone when the boss or the client is open to that collaboration, allows people to be successful, allows people to grow in their role, allows them to earn the next level of opportunity, next level of trust. It allows you as the uh, third party, as the person trying to achieve, to actually achieve, to win, to prove yourself valuable, to elevate your game. That is beneficial to everyone. That creates successful outcomes for all. That creates shared credit, the potential for everyone to share the credit, for everyone to win, creating win-win scenarios. Shared credit, positive work examples, references, referrals, etc. These all come from everyone looking to elevate the game for everyone, not simply because of them or because of you. Now, I'm going to ultimately end on the idea of ethics. You can't be a yes man. You're going to get the blame in the future if something fails, so why not tell the boss or the client right now that you disagree with their idea, that you don't think they're on the right path, This is how failure happens by being a yes man, by providing the boss whatever they need. Anyone can do that. That's not what you've been hired for. You've been hired to bring your own perspective, your own expertise. Don't get caught in the comfort zone trap. Do not get comfortable. Do not not allow them to tell you this is how we've always done it. Do not avoid confrontation for the sake of avoiding confrontation, but instead try to find ways to grow the company by, by proving yourself and pushing potential to move forward. Don't be a yes man. It's better to end a relationship than go down with that relationship, down with the ship, if you will. I have a short story for you about ethics. I had a client for a very short amount of time, a company that made supplements it wasn't medicine, so there were certain things they couldn't couldn't say according to the FDA would, would get them in trouble. It was already hinky enough that we had to phrase things in specific ways to not get into trouble as opposed to being as honest as possible or sharing as much as possible. This client wanted me to create advertising that made claims that were not substantiated by anything other than some very stilted information he found from a very long time ago that had been debunked quickly afterwards. I refused to do so, and this individual told me, it's okay if anyone calls you out, you just say, well, the client told me to, or the boss said so, so I have to do it. That's complete and utter bullshit. Being unethical, losing your ethical values, or doing things unethical can kill your relationship. It's easier to get a new job or a new client with a solid reputation than it is with one that is from a reputation that is stained by making unethical decisions, by allowing your client to convince you that the client is always right, the client gets what they want. This is the one case where you must get what you need out of the relationship or you must end it because they'll be mad, but that will be temporary. They might try to provide a bad reference for you, but actually a bad reference from a bad source because they are the unethical operating individuals in a company that's not doing the way things they should. Those things always come out. People do always recognize it. It always happens. So here's the double negative. A bad reference from a bad source is actually a positive thing. It's a bad 
operator saying you would not go along with their bad operations. That is a benefit to you. So even if you were to receive some of the stain of their ethical questioning by leaving, by severing the relationship, those stains will quickly fade away from you. You can kill your reputation of the last 10 years in 10 seconds of a single unethical decision. Do not do it. You can always get another job. You can always get another client. You can always rebuild relationships. If you stick to your ethics, you will be much harder to rebuild those things if you have the albatross of unethical behavior around your neck. No one has ever avoided a person for having too high of ethical value or professionalism. And if they did, you wouldn't want to be associated with that person anyway. So the people who are looking for people with gray areas and questionable business ethics, you want to avoid anyway. So when someone puts you in that position, you want to avoid that position, even if it means severing the professional relationship. Careers are long. Money is temporary. But your ethics, your reputation, the self-brand that you build can be nearly impossible to replace if you go down unethical path. This is the one part of the conversation where the client does not get what they want. The client is not always right. If it is unethical, if it is illegal, if it is something that is outside the bounds of the rules of participation as you understand them and believe them, you must say no, you must refuse, you must be willing to take the ultimate sacrifice of losing the client or losing the job. That was pretty heavy, but very serious. I hope you take it to heart. I'm a big believer. And I've seen it many, many, many times in my 35-year career of unethical operators always end up on the negative side. And people who avoid those situations, who refuse to do such things, always end up in a benefit. And it has happened beneficially for me many times in the past as well. So please take that to heart. Thanks for listening to the Professional Balance bonus content series of the Saturday Morning Hustle. We'll be back next Monday with a new, next month with a new topic, new podcast every Saturday, hustle motivation advice from the office while the competition is still sleeping. Please subscribe, leave a review, make a comment on social media about what balance issues you would like to hear discussed on this series in the future. Thank you. Saturday morning hustle. Saturday morning hustle. Saturday morning hustle. Wake up and keep chasing your dreams. Morning.